views expressed in this podcast are the opinions of Life on the Ledge podcast and its guest. The content should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional or your mental health care professional with questions. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are here today to dig this thing called Life on the Ledge podcast. Welcome, welcome one and all to the first initial episode of Life on the Ledge podcast. Today, the subject matter will scare some people. It will freak some people out. But at the end of it, I hope it helps a lot more people in the process. Today's subject is me. I'm going to tell my story. A lot of people want to be talk about relationships or mental health or or anything else under the sun, but I said no. I want the first episode to be about me. So, with that being said, I have to have this disclaimer. I had one in the beginning of the podcast, but I think this one's more important than that one. First of all, I am okay. I am not being held hostage. I am not harming myself. I am not in any mental state. Uh, no woman has hurt me. Uh, no man has hurt me for that matter. Um, I am in a clear, mentally stable environment. I do not need any safety checks. I'm okay. And I think that should be about enough for me to say that. The whole reason that I started thinking about the idea about doing these podcasts, um, I've had friends, I've had acquaintances, I've had uh, loved ones all tell me things that I thought to myself, man, you people need fucking therapy. <laughs> so in that capacity, I said to myself, why is everybody treating me like fucking Dr. Phil? Just because I'm shaved and I got a mustache, do we look alike? But at the same time, I said to myself, maybe that is my cross to bear. Maybe I'm supposed to help people. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to help people get through those tough times. Maybe that's what I'm here to do. You know, first I thought, okay, trying to find out what I'm good at, try to find out, you know, my purpose in life. But then I said to myself, no, maybe, maybe this is what I'm, I'm good at because people keep bringing me their cross to bears, the things that is hurting, hurting the things that is hurting them. So maybe that is my cross to bear to help those who won't go out and get mental health, who won't go out and see a therapist, um, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to listen. I'm supposed to take the burden off of them so they can keep going. So in doing so, that's why I thought if I'm going to do that, then I have to put my truth on the table. I have to take that box out of the closet and put it on the table and say, okay, here's my truth. So with that being said, tonight's episode will be about me. So I'll start from the beginning. You know, I grew up on the South side of Chicago um, born and raised, single mom, you know, had a, a okay um, relationship with my father. I mean, I don't have daddy issues. Um, I maybe have I have mommy issues. I've been told. I have a hero complex. Um, I feel like I can save everybody, but I had somebody, you know, shadow that glass in my face to tell me the truth that you can't save everybody. You can't make people want to be okay, want to be better. Um, so that was a rough thing I had to deal with understanding. I can't help everybody. I can't save everyone, but I can try. 
So as I'm doing this podcast, I'm going to attempt to bring on friends of mine who are therapists um, to answer some of your questions because I didn't think I was going to get this many emails with issues and problems. And I feel like now I have to put the effort in to help people. I really have to try and do that. And I think that's what I'm hoping to get out of this tonight. So with that being said, um, let's start with me once again. Um, my first, um, I think my first hole that I dug for myself, um, I may, you know, let me stop that for a second. I may use some terminology that you guys may not be familiar with. Um, I may say rabbit hole. Um, that's another word for me to say depression or when you feel like you're in that funk. Um, I may say, put my truth on the table. That's me saying to you that this is my honesty. This is my, me communicating to you, me. And if you get it, okay, then you get it. If you don't, then please email text at life on the ledge podcast. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember that number, but we do have an email and we, you can uh, direct message us at life on the ledge at Instagram, uh, life on the ledge podcast, at Instagram, life on the ledge podcast at yahoo.com. Um, and I will, before this episode is over, get that damn phone number. Somehow I should have it up somewhere, but you know, this is the first episode. So excuse the mistakes in the audio, excuse, excuse the mistakes in the uh, dialogue of me trying to get this out tonight. Okay. So with that being said, let's get back to the story. All right. So once again, my first, uh, directional feelings towards the rabbit hole, I think was in high school. Um, Oh, no, I have to go further back than that. Um, at the time, my mother was dating this man, and he was like my surrogate father at the time. Um, because I felt like, I think I was being manipulated at a young age by him, and him telling me, I, you know, to come see him, and I didn't, you know, you, you're eight, nine, ten years old, you don't know any better. So I thought it was a good idea to go get on the bus and ride to go to his house. And it was almost like it was orchestrated by him. And I, because my mother didn't want to see him anymore. So in that sense, I think I was, I mean, you know, you're nine, 10 years old. You don't know any better. So, you know, somebody's telling you, you know, buying you a bike and doing all this stuff. You know, he's my surrogate father in that capacity. So I think having to deal with that in my life, um, seeing him abuse my mother um, and feel helpless as a child, it, it, I think it did put do some form of emotional damage on me, neurologically, I guess, um, because I kept that anger. I had that hate and anger in my, my heart, and I didn't know how to, what to do with it, so I just pushed it aside. Um, you know, as a child, you, you just push things aside you can't deal with. So as I got older in high school um that anger went to sports so i played football um the coaches you know told us you know are you hurt or you're injured and i didn't want to be either so i kept going um i joined the swim team so for me it was just getting that anger out and taking it out on whoever my opponent was that was my my hatred and anger that i got out of my system uh, working out in high school, it was just, I had to have that competitive edge. Um, steroids was introduced to us in high school 
<laughs> and that just made my anger that much more dangerous as a high school student who had anger management issues. And now you're giving me a steroid that's making me work out harder and angrier. Um, I'm happy I never had any uh, incidents. Um, but it took me getting busted by my mother for me to stop doing it. So that was kind of cool. You know, she found the uh, spoon that we, you know, I was using to inject the steroid. Um, and I thought it was kind of funny because I was, I made up a lie saying, you know, I was, I saw something on TV and I just wanted to try it. Not, not realizing, of course, that here I have been taking steroids. I'm in high school in Chicago. So that was kind of funny. And at the same time, it was even funnier because they started doing drug testing at that year in my school. So I don't know if anybody found out about it and told the uh, school system about it. We were taking steroids in high school. So that was kind of funny. But at that time, the anger that I had combined with steroids, you add those two things together and you get a somebody who's a powder keg waiting to happen. And at that time, I was so angry, so frustrated. Uh, you know, I attempted to take my own life because I just, I, I couldn't understand why I was this angry. And I, and I couldn't understand, I don't know, I was, you know, you, you think I'm, I'm, I'm on, in two sports, I'm playing football, I'm on the swim team, so I'm, I'm busy year-round, struggling with high school, struggling with classes, girlfriends, and all that great stuff. You know, and as plus as a football player and I'm a swim team now, I, you know, got to have a cheerleader girlfriend. So, you know, that, that whole, you know, the whole dichotomy of that gets even weirder. But when I attempted to do it, first I attempted to break my hand with a wake so I couldn't work out. That didn't work. My hand hurt, but it was just, I was just angry. So I needed to feel something. So I thought dropping, you know, a 45 pound weight on my hand would break my hand and I'd be, I'd be hurt. Um, didn't work. <laughs> so then I attempted to take uh, Dexatrim. Um, why I had it, I don't know. I mean, who knows where this shit came from? But I took a whole packet of stuff. Um, and I remember, you know, go, getting up in the morning to go to school. I don't remember what happened during school. Um, and I think the frustration of that not working frustrated me even more because I had to catch the bus every day. So I'm passed out on a, I, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm passed out on a bus. I'm a zombie for about a good week. And nobody ever questioned me if I was okay. And I think that frustrated me even more. So I think that made the frustration level in me become so erratic and so frustrational to, I mean, you think of a high school student and nobody's really asking you, are you okay? But I kept going. I kept playing football. I kept on the swim team. And then one day I got so frustrated. I just said enough. I'm, apparently, apparently God needs me here for something else because he's not going to let me die. I think the biggest fear I had in high school was just surviving the South side of Chicago. And, you know, in the eighties and, you know, eighties uh, and nineties, I think that was my most innate fear. Like I would die from that. But then something happened to me that changed my life. It was music. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name drop him, but he knows who he is. Uh, we started doing music in my basement. And I thought it was, you know, it, it just changed my life. Because it gave me another outlet for expression. So we would, you know, make little stupid recordings, little songs and stuff in, in, in the basement. 
And you know he's still doing it to this day. I give him his thing. You know he, you know he's been my guest since you know since high, I mean since grammar school we've known each other. But he may not know this, but the, that music changed my life. Um, it kept me. It brought me back from a dark place, and for that I'll always be uh, blessed to have that person in my life because he 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 may not even know it, but he brought me back from a dark place. You know I couldn't even understand it. Um, our shenanigans we did uh, throughout high school. He went to a different high school. I went to one on the south side. His was still on the south side, but still, uh, the shenanigans we would do was just you know fun stories that I probably would never tell my children because you know who wants the kids to know that kind of stuff about you? And I'm sure uh, if everybody's at my funeral, he'll tell those stories about me. In which case, I still be embarrassed. Um, <laughs> so yeah, after that. Um, I think that was that was one of the few times that I had to deal with anything as far as mental health because after that, you know, got married at a young age, kids at a young age, and the stress you would think somebody would have, it didn't hit me then. It didn't bother me. I mean, I still had anger management issues. I still still had that anger, but it didn't seem like it was a bad thing. It felt more like it was just a part of who I was. I didn't truly understand where that anger came from or why I had it. I mean, from time to time, I would think back about why I had that anger or why I would explode on people. Um, as I got older, into my 20s, I was angry. I was an angry drunk. If I was out with my friends and somebody bumped one of my friends, I was ready to fight. Um, I was ready to go. I was just on 10 every day. Um, <laughs> it got to the point I was ready to just, you know, I'm surprised nobody ever shot me because I was just like, I was ready to fight everybody when I had a little alcohol in me. Um, and then I got introduced to the, the harder drugs. I never liked weed. I always thought weed was like, why would I take something that's going to make me relax when I want to go out and party? So weed just wasn't my thing. So the older I got... And I got introduced to cocaine. I was like, cocaine, that, that's, that's, that's some hardcore shit there. That's like the, the crazy white people stuff. But <laughs> oddly enough, I tried it once and I was like, okay, now I kept drinking. I kept drinking. I kept partying because it just allowed me to keep doing the thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to drink and party and keep going. And then one day I just like, you know what? Yeah, this is not for me anymore. Um, just much like marijuana, just like this was not something I needed to do every day anymore. It was not something I needed to feel like I needed to do. I respect it, but so therefore I don't need to do it. Uh, much like cigarettes. At that time, I was smoking cigarettes. Um, I gained a I gained a bunch of weight. It it you know it frustrated me one day. I got on the scale. I was I was almost tipping three hundred pounds, and I'm like I've been a rock two a rock hard two fifty all my life, you know since high school. So you know getting up to two ninety eight was like what the crap happened to you, dude? Who are you? Um, then I started working out again. Uh, met a friend of mine who was a bodybuilder. Him and his girlfriend they they trained every day. But I think the thing that I started noticing was that anger never went away. That anger was still there driving me. It, it was almost like 
Anger was the bus driver that was taking me to hell. And I still, for the life of me, I couldn't understand why until one day I, I saw my mother's ex-boyfriend all these years later. She had long passed, but when I saw him, I understood that anger. I, I remembered why I was upset. You know, seeing him abuse my mother, it just can't, all these memories came back and I was, I wanted him to apologize. I wanted him to acknowledge you did this to me. You made me this monster. You made me feel like I had to attack the world. But I started thinking to myself, I mean, he's an old man now. Is, is it his job to, 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 to heal me or is it my job? So then I realized, you know, when I sat down and thought about it, it was my job to heal me. I can't, I couldn't make him the, 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 uh, the gatekeeper to my salvation. If I don't know what my salvation is, all he can do for me is help me understand why I was angry as I was. Um, he was a Vietnam vet. Um, and I looked up to him. He was a baseball player. Um, he taught me, how, you know, he taught me the most stupidest things when I think back at it. You know, I learned how to eat raw, uh, raw potatoes because of him, eat raw food um, because of him. And I thought it was the coolest thing. You know, I ate potato chips the same way he did. Um, um, I, I, I was becoming him and I didn't realize I was like, oh, my God, as a child, I, I was the. I was the, the you know, I'm going to age myself here. Uh, I was the little little him mini him I had that same anger so when I was in relationships and something didn't go right or there was an argument I was a powder kid waiting waiting to go and I never understood why until I saw him and I remembered all those times when I sat there and watched him abuse my mother or put us out or whatever it was so I remembered those times and I said to myself no I will no longer be that person. So, you know, he wanted to reconnect and he wanted to call me his son. And I'm like, no, you did all this damage. There is no coming back from that. There is no, um, us reconciling who we were at that time in my life. You, you damaged me in that, in that way. You, you made me angry. You made me hate you hate me, made me mistrust people. So I think my biggest thing was trying to understand why. Now, I do have to preface this and pause this story because, you know, during college years, did I take the one class of psychology that you're supposed to get as a prerequisite? Sure, I did. But it didn't help that I took psych one, two, three, and four. Because I was just having too much fun understanding me. I didn't give a fuck about everybody else. I just wanted to understand me, who I was, and why I was the way I was. So, for me, taking all these psychology classes, doing all these psychology reports, I may have been doing them on a thousand other people, but at the end of the day, it was about me and my development, and me understanding me. Me understanding who I was, where I am emotionally and mentally, and where I want to be. So it was really interesting for me to take all that psychology 
education that I received just to understand me. Now, I, mean, I know most people won't do that, but for me, it was important that I learned who I was. I learned what I wanted to accomplish in life and who I wanted to be. So it was, it was really important for me to take that and get that information. Um, so I have to, I'm going to bounce around a bit because as, as I'm telling you this, I am, I'm, as I'm telling you this, I'm bouncing around, but at the same time, I'm remembering things that I, I didn't think of. So, um, so please bear with me here. So I know, um, I was telling you that, you know, because I found out where my anger came from. And then when I found it out, I kept making other people responsible for the validation of my anger, of me um, getting so angry, smashing a glass uh, vase full of pennies just out of anger or taking my motorcycle helmet and just smashing it down. It was just like I was exploding with all this anger. And then one day I realized it wasn't the person that was making me angry. It was me not knowing how to deal with my anger. So when I realized what it was and realized where it stemmed from, then I had to go in and <laughs> excuse the phrase. I had to put in the work um, <laughs> to fix me. I had to fix me and make me accountable for my anger. I could go ahead and call that lady Vans, Vanzan or whatever her name is and, and get her to do a TV show about me and the people who I felt hurt me or put me in that situation. But at the same time, I think it's more or less me having to fix me and me expecting me to fix me. Okay, so back to where we were going into... Um, as I was saying earlier, um, I think when I realized I was responsible for my anger, I started thinking back into the damage that I left behind. Um, I, I jokingly say a lot of times I felt like I was the Incredible Hulk. All I wanted to do was smash and destroy. And didn't think about the repercussions of my anger and the things that I was doing until after I had turned back into David Banner. So I think that's kind of funny in that, in that capacity. Um, so I used to think of myself as that, you know, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, <laughs> so to speak. So it was kind of funny in that, in that way that my exploding was not being able to deal with that anger, you know, relationships where I just, I had to walk away because I, I, you just made me too angry and I can't deal with my anger when I'm around you. Not realizing it was me who had the issue, not them, not them. So it was almost as if I was blaming the other person for their inability to fix me. Um, and I think that cost me my, a, a relationship or two. Um, but then I was in a long-term relationship and one day after an explosion, I stopped and said, you know what? I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to be that person who can't control themselves and 
it was almost to the point where I wanted to stab this person because that's how angry, blackout angry I had become. And then I, when I think back on it, I was like, you know what? You don't deserve to be with anybody. You, nobody's going to want you. And I know that's kind of harsh to say to yourself, but to me, it was the smack in the face I felt like I needed because I was concerned about heart disease. I was concerned about high blood pressure. I was concerned about what is this person going to think of me that how am I expect this person to love me if I have that much anger in me? So I started fearing that I might have a heart attack one day and it, it was just too much for me to deal with. So I, so I woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to become a pacifist when it comes to my anger. There's no reason to raise my voice. There's no reason to get loud or get angry. Because realistically, if I get into a car accident, I can't undo the car accident. Um, if I get a flat tire, I can get mad if I want. But realistically, is that going to fix the flat? Um, I can go to work and deal with people who may not have the best intentions for me. But realistically, it's not my house. I just go there for five, you know, five to eight hours a day. Yeah, but, you know, thanks to COVID, um, I just go there for eight hours a day, see a couple of patients and go home. So in that sense, I just realized that it's not worth it. It's not worth it for me to be angry. It's not worth it for me to hate. It's not worth it because none of that is going to give me the satisfaction I need. It's not going to give me the validation in my heart that I want. So it was just easy for me to stop caring. It, it's it's almost as if I went through this, smoked way too much weed and became relaxed. But weed had nothing to do with it. And when I finally got to that level, the floor dropped out on me. My mother died. That took the air out of my heart and lungs. Now... I preface saying this to you, and, and I'm sure I'm going to have some family members. This is just really going to fuck them up. But the fact that you didn't fucking tell me my mother died to the next damn day to this day hurts. Every day I think about it, I find out the next day. Now, granted, I lived on one end of the city and she lived on the other. I could have got on the red line. I could have got on my car and drive right down Lakeshore Drive and been there. But they don't tell me to the next fucking day. So I'm sorry for cursing, but to, the, to this day, that's the mosquito biting my ass. So it took all that zen that I had been happy that I had been layering this brick wall of, of relaxation and happiness for somebody to R. Kelly piss on it and light it on fire. So that that destroyed me. I became numb. I, I think I was in shock. And then a friend of mine gave me an eight ball of cocaine. In which case, I can't fault him for giving it to me. But at the same time, I would have took a hug and a, and a good cry over that eight ball. So for the next three, maybe four weeks, I was a zombie once again. Jack Daniels, cocaine, 
I didn't get off the couch. I was stayed in my furry robe with my furry fucking slippers. Didn't shower, didn't shave, just sat there, zoned out. Wake up in the morning, drink some Jack. Maybe I'll eat, maybe I won't. Didn't care. If I went in the kitchen and started washing a dish, I would start crying. And I think the thing that destroyed me the most was my support system was gone. The day she died, I chose to go to work. I didn't have to work that day, but I chose to go to work to get some shit done. And I, I, I blame myself. All the emergency medical technician training I have, if I was there, I could have done something. Once again, is that the hero complex in me? Possibly. But it destroyed me. Because I felt like I had nothing left to give to anybody. So as I'm sitting there on this couch and people from my job are calling me, are you going to come into work? No, I, 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 I don't know. I don't care. I didn't give a shit about anything else. One day, you know, they tried to call me and because they needed my help to restart the computers. Well, I was just so pissed. I was drunk. I was high. I got in my truck, drove to work in my fuzzy fucking slippers and my furry fucking robe, a white t-shirt and some pajama pants, came in there, did what I had to do and left. Didn't talk to nobody. Don't fucking ask me how I am because I'm not okay. Went home, had another shot of Jack, sat back on the couch, and just zoned out. And at that time, it was it was funny because I was doing things with people who I didn't care about. I just needed the, the connection to somebody. I didn't need the connection to anybody because the relationship I was in at the time... She didn't ask me if I was okay. She didn't ask me if I needed help. So once again, I was left sitting there realizing if I died right here, who would give a shit? Because nobody's calling me to see if I'm okay. Nobody's fucking checking on me. I got up, poured the alcohol out, threw the rest of the coke out and said, you know what, if I die tomorrow, nobody's going to fucking give a shit. And I don't know if it was me giving myself a swift kick, kick in the ass or it was the frustration and the crying that nobody gives a shit about me and my mother's relationship. Going through the, the, the traumatic shit we went through together. Nobody gave a shit. So... Out of anger, I got up off that couch, took a shower, shaved my head, sh uh, shaved my face, and was like, all right, fuck it. Monday morning, I'm going back to work. Been gone for about a month. I think I'm good. So I had made a promise to myself that I was going to live. I made a promise to myself that I was not just going to live, wake up and go to work Monday through fucking Friday. No, I'm going to live. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go on trips. I'm going to do this, do that. I just lived. 
because I felt like if I didn't, I was never going to. I mean, I went to San Francisco for a week, came back to Chicago for 24 hours, got my happy ass on a plane and went to Puerto Rico for a week because I just felt like I needed to decompress me and find me again. The relationship I was in at the time wasn't where what I needed. This person didn't have my best interest at heart. But once again, when I realized that, I couldn't blame her anymore. So once again, I got back to my Zen and I was like, hey, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get angry. It is what it is. I can't control another adult. I can only control me. Um, so in that capacity, I had to remember what it is I was doing and make sure I did everything in my power to control me. Um, the anger reared its head, but I had to keep on, you know, I had to keep fighting. I had to keep fighting to understand where this anger came from and who I didn't want to be. So the more I went in trying to make sure who I didn't want to be, the easier it was for me to not have or allow that anger to control me. As I've gotten older, I I went to a therapist uh, once or twice, sat down and talked about my anger and where it came from. And the funny thing about it, everything she was doing was the same shit I was already doing. And I jokingly said, shit, I can go to a bar and get more attention than I can sitting here. I mean, you know, paying you 50 bucks or a copay and just to have you tell me the same things that I've already tell myself. Thanks to, you know, the college classes I took, I was like, I could go to a bar, get a shot, start crying and more people will come and hug me and give me validation than I'm getting here. But granted, I understand that's not her job to give me validation. That's not her job to, to hug me and play mommy to me. I get that. So in that context, I started realizing something. The more people I talk to about their issues, about their relationships, a lot of us have mommy issues or daddy issues. And it's not a point when I say daddy issues, oh, you're going out and sleeping with half, you know, half the you know, neighborhood. No, you can have mommy and daddy issues and have uh, P PTSD and you bring that into your relationship and you're expecting this other person to fix you. You're expecting this other person to make you whole when you can't, if they're, if you, if, if your reality is Swiss cheese, you can't expect somebody to come in and fill all those holes for you. I can't repair you. I can't repair your damage. I mean, granted, I under, it took me a minute to understand damaged people attract damaged people. So you as a man find a woman you think is attractive. You overlook the red flags in her because she in your mind she is going to heal you she's going to ace bandage your pain and then when she does, doesn't you attack her for it you attack her inability to be able to heal you and what do you do as a man you act like a three-year-old because uh, I've done it you know I, I retaliated by acting like a you know a toddler and I realize that now my, I can't make somebody responsible for my shortcomings and have them fix me. I can't expect you to fix me. I got to fix my fucking self. 
And I think a lot of women do the same exact thing. Or you have the teddy bear syndrome. You don't want to play with your teddy bear, but you damn sure ain't going to let another girl play with it. Well, here's the idea. If you're not going to take care of something, let it go. Because it's not yours to have if somebody else wants to take care of it. So if you're going to be in a relationship, be in a relationship. Don't be all-encompassed of the relationship, meaning the relationship controls you. You you don't know who you are in the relationship. Um, You disappear from your friends and family when you're in a relationship because... The relationship is all you want and all you, you don't need anything else. Or my personal favorite, I remember when I was in high school, the biggest thing was, you got good hair. We'll make pretty babies together. And I used to think to myself, oh no, I, it's bad enough I got to worry about the crack wars, but now I got to worry about some girl trying to get pregnant by me just because she needs to be, uh, feel whole and this baby's going to make her feel better about herself because now she's a mother when she didn't have a mother or she didn't have the family life she wanted. Well, shit, I didn't have the family life I wanted either, but you don't see me uh, running out there trying to Hallmark Hallmark channel, find me a relationship and live, live and die by the rules and regulations of the Hallmark channel. I mean, granted, do I hate the Hallmark channel with a passion, but at the end of the day, I'm not about to sit here and expect some woman to complete me or fill the void that I didn't have. In which case is even funnier because I seem to be only attracted to strong women. And women I don't deem strong, they become my friends because I don't think you have the qualities to be the woman I need to have in my life. But then I say to myself, that's disrespectful to the female friends I have. So in that sense, I have to stop myself and say, no, every woman has a valid reason to be in your life, whether it be a friend, a family member, whatever. You have to understand their validation of who they are, why they're there. Um, everybody's not going to be the one. So I'm going to say this now, you can sit there and look for your Angela Jolene's or whoever's star you think is fucking pretty. But at the end of the day, the person who gives you communication, conversation, and honesty, when you put that on the table, that's important. Not, not fucking, um, honesty you can deal with. Um, what's, what's that thing uh, when people say, um, how do I look in this dress? Well, if you don't tell her the truth, she's going to always wonder if, if he really thinks I'm attractive, if he really thinks I'm sexy. Well, you know what? If you establish a relationship from the beginning and you establish that relationship based on communication. Now, when I say communication, I'm not going to say it's raining outside. No, I don't think it is. No, that's not communication. I'm talking about the communication you would have, um, with, with a guy friend. And ladies, this is the same thing for you guys. Um, If you're going to communicate with a man, communicate with me um, like I would be able to say you're my wingman. You're my best friend. Don't lose who you are in the context of a relationship. But at the same time, make sure you, you and me can communicate about stuff. We can talk about stuff. We can sit in a bar and be like, look at that bitch together and laugh about it. That's communication. Um joking around about stuff. You see a guy that looks cute and every girl does. I mean, come on, don't even trip. Um, but being an adult enough that you can have a come out conversation about stuff like that without somebody pulling a knife out and trying to cut somebody. You know, if you see me looking at a girl, don't try to take a knife out and cut a bitch. How about, you know, making a joke that's being an adult because if I'm with you, I'm with you. But if I'm not paying attention to you and I'm not giving you communication, okay, then I'll by all means cut a bitch. 
But at the end of the day, um, communication and conversation is key. And then next after that is honesty. Put that truth on the table from day one. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I must have. If some, by the grace of God, if some way, somehow, what you want and need is the same thing as what I want and need, great. Let's let's see what this evolves to. Don't have a conversation and not be honest. Because if you're just going to have a conversation with somebody and you're just saying, yeah, uh-huh, sure, why not? And you're not serious about that, that's when the communication issues arise. Because if you tell me, well, yeah, I like... Uh, I like, uh, I like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't even think of anything off the top of my head, which is hilarious as I'm talking and wasting uh, quality time doing so. Uh, okay. There we go. I like blue moon beer. Somebody might like shock top, which they say it's the same shit, but it's fucking not. It's blue moon and shock top. They're not the fucking same. Don't let anybody fool you. Anywho. Um, if you meet a person and you like shock talk beer and you like um, blue moon, well, shit, there's a two different things. But compromise is the key to a relationship. You know, hey, try. Have you tried it? No, I'll try it for you. If I don't like it. OK, great. At least I'm telling you the truth that I'm trying it and I'm compromising in that trying. Now, granted, as I say all this, I wasn't always this person. So it took me a long time to understand the nuances of this. Um, my daughter made fun of me. Uh, I finally read that book, uh, the five languages of love. It changed my life because I understood why my, my relationships didn't work. I understood that my languages didn't balance with theirs. And then you add the, you sprinkle on the damage that each person has and how, I, you know, you don't see red flags. They don't see red flags. If there was communication, conversation and honesty from day one, maybe those things would have been understood. Maybe those things would have been, um, been able to communicate, but it's really hard six months in for you to sit there and say, you don't like this about me or I don't like this about you when we've made no attempts to fix anything. It's hard to repair a house when it has a hole in it. And if everybody pretends like it does, there's no hole, guess what? The hole only gets bigger. So in that context, when I realized who I was, what I was and what I wanted to become, I realized I wasn't the man I needed to be. So I had a quick story <laughs> that I don't remember. Once again, shit's coming back to me. Um, bought a house um, relationship was in, a, was in a downward spiral she sent me this whole email because at this time we weren't getting along and she, she would send emails and we would have fights via email and I thought that was so funny like this is how we're communicating and um, so one day I got approved for a house and I thought to myself this is what my mother would have wanted for me so me being the man I thought I was or, or in fact, the man I, I felt like I wasn't and I needed to become when we got the house, I did what Will, Will Smith said he did. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Will Smith. He was on the red table with his wife, Jada Pinkett, 
And he was saying when they were in their relationship that he was doing all these things thinking that's what she wanted. So when we had this house, I would go to work Monday through Friday, work 60 you know, hours a week. And I would come home and on Saturday and Sunday, I wake up at six o'clock in the morning, put my overalls on and go out in my yard, plant flowers, cut grass till about noon, come in the house, shower, eat and go on with the rest of my day. But like a ritual, that was my Saturday and Sunday to the point I used to laugh and say my Saturday, my weekend needed a weekend. But at the same time, when I planted all these flowers, and I did all this beautification on my house, I kept telling myself, I was saying to her, look at me, look at me, look what I did for you. I never once fucking asked her, what do you want? What, what direction do you want us to go? Because when I think about it in retrospect, was I going a bit over the fucking top Saturday and Sunday in this yard? Yes, I was. I mean, I've had, I had neighbors telling me, dude, you're making us look bad. Take a day off. I couldn't because I was trying to get the relationship I was in to give me the validation of existence when we together should have been out in that yard. We together should have been beautifying our house. We together should have been doing all these things, but we together did nothing but destroy the relationship. So in that context, I blamed myself for continually trying to get this person to see me and give me the validation I needed. And that brings me all the way back to my, the mommy issues, trying to get her to see me, pay attention to me. Look at me, look what I'm doing, mommy. But realistically, once again, I was trying to get her to give me that validation of you're doing a good job. Thank you. And then I didn't get it from her. And what did I turn around and do? Turn around into my terrible twos and act like a two-year-old and act out. So I see, you know, and when I look back at on it on in retrospect, I see what I did wrong. I see the mistakes I made. I see how I allowed myself to have these mommy issues and to um, do the negative effort because I wasn't getting the attention I wanted. So I became negative in my efforts. So with that being said, it took me a lot to see what I was doing wrong. So I implore you and anybody else out there who this helped to my, uh, our rant helps to put a mirror in front of you. Look at yourself. Look at what you've done throughout the course of your life. I don't give a fuck how old you are, but look at you. Look what you've done. Look what you negative things you've done, positive things you've done and say to yourself, okay, either you fucked up or you didn't, but you got to keep going. It's easy to, you know, hide out under the cover and never get up. But what defines you is what you do after you fall down. And I think in the retrospect of everything that I've been through in my life, whether it was the attempted suicide, the attempted drug abuse. It's funny now when I think back on that, 
I don't drink anywhere to the amount I used to. Why? I just, I just don't feel like drinking. Not, I really don't feel like doing it alone anymore. To the point I can barely have a beer anymore by myself. If I have one, it'll be a half a beer and I just lose interest in it. Um, when I feel like I'm going down that rabbit hole now, I think the worst thing that happens to me now, I don't go to the gym like I want to. So then I'll feel bad because I missed the day of the gym. And now I got to When I do go to the gym, I got to mess around and do two days worth of work in one day, which frustrates me and pisses me off. But once again, that's the sacrifice I have to make because I decided to go down this rabbit hole and burrow in emotionally or my personal favorite shut down. Now, when I say shut down, I say shut down in the context of if I try to communicate with you. And I understand, I can't make you understand my words. I can't make you hear what I'm saying. Because I always like to tell people, are you listening to me or are you hearing me? There's two different fucking things. You can hear a song in the background and not pay attention to it. You can hear a dog barking in the background and not go to look to the window to see what the fucking dog is. But if you're listening to this person and you're validating their existence to have the feelings that they do, then you're here. You're not just hearing me. You're listening to me. And if I'm trying to have a conversation with you or communicate with you, you reciprocate that communication that I'm giving you and you validate my feelings. When I say there's an issue, that's true communication. That's true. Honesty. That's true. Foundation building level relationship right there. So, I could keep going on and on and on. I'm sorry I was all over the place. But the next episodes, I'm going to try to keep going with more in-depth views. I still haven't decided how long we're going to make these fucking podcasts. But at the end of the day, we're going to figure that out going forward. Um, I'm going to have some sponsors, oddly enough, which scared the shit out of me when I figured out, shit, I may have a sponsor. (laughs) So that's going to be funny enough as it is. Um, But to that end... I say to you, thank you for listening. I hope me telling my story of, you know, me growing emotionally, me growing mentally and me growing as a person may help you because at the end of the day, if I didn't put in that work, every time I say it it still makes me laugh. If I didn't put in that work, I don't know where I would be right now. If I didn't put in that effort to evolve me for me. I don't know where I would have been to this day. I I do fear that I, maybe I would have been, I would have died of a drug overdose. I would have been killed uh, in a fight. Um, you know, something, I don't know, but I'm happy. I'm still here. I'm happy. I can put in the effort to do this. Um, and maybe this is my way to help others and make amends for the sins of my life. Who knows? But at the end of the day, I hope this helps you. And I say to you, good day, be blessed, and love yourself. Roger, zero T, and I feel fine.